Greetings, this is Pastor Daryl Hall from The Way Community Church, where we are showing people the way to life with Jesus. Welcome to our podcast, where you can hear our weekly Sunday sermons. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and also our website, thewaycc.online. All right, let's dive into the Word. Well, listen, let's go ahead and get this out of the way. My name is Paul, and I'm your cousin from Middle Georgia. How y'all doing today? You haven't met me yet, but your pastor and your leading lady, they are family. They're not friends to me and my wife. They are family members of ours. As we're launching this new series about trusting God through various seasons, I want to teach today about how do we trust God for that which we've never seen? How do we trust God for something for which we have no point of reverence? How do we trust God for new seasons and new blessings that are unfamiliar to us? What kind of posture, what kind of mindset should we have in order to trust God for something we've never seen? And with that thought in mind, I want to label today's message exposure for expansion. Everybody say exposure for expansion. In order to expand our lives, Greg, in order for God to take us to places we've never been, God has to expose us to new things. Allow me to preface today's message with a simple but powerful concept from a book that is entitled The Emotional Intelligence of Jesus by Roy Oswald and Arland Jacobson. This book, Dr. Hall, provides a critical analysis of Jesus from a psychological perspective. They surveyed the life of Jesus and looked at it from a psychological lens and pulled principles and lessons for those of us who are followers of Jesus so that we might be able to pattern our lives after Jesus. Paul had this in mind in Philippians chapter 2 when he encouraged the people of God to let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul also had this in mind in 1 Corinthians when he wrote to those immature believers in that city called Corinth, when he told them and taught them that we as believers, we possess the mind of Christ, that we have thinking capacity beyond our normal human experiences, that we have thinking and psychological capacity that helps us to navigate through various seasons of life in order for us to trust God in new seasons. You do realize that your mind is the steering wheel that guides and governs your life, that everything else in your life can be smooth sailing, but if your mind is out of whack, do I have any witnesses in the building that your mind is significant to your holistic well-being, that you can have a nice body, but if you got a nice body with a bad mind, you're not going to live a great life. You can have a whole lot of money and stuff and things and material possessions, but the quality of your mind will literally determine the quality of your life. This book about the emotional intelligence of Jesus teaches us how to think more clearly and more succinctly as we look at the life of Jesus from a psychological perspective. In this book, The Emotional Intelligence of Jesus, the two authors spoke in details in detail about two types of thinking that literally influences our emotions and ultimately shapes 
how we live. The first type of thinking is known as scarcity thinking. Let the church say scarcity thinking. The two authors of this book suggested that the people that Jesus interacted with on a regular basis in the first century, including his disciples, they had a scarcity mentality. People with a scarcity mentality focus on limitations. They focus on what cannot be accomplished. There are people who have a scarcity mentality that only see life from the lens of their brokenness and their limited perspective. They also focus on their immediate needs because people with a scarcity mentality don't like to be out of control. They fear losing life. They fear losing money or relationships. And so they never take risks. They never step out in the unknown because people with a scarcity mentality are in love with safety. The other type of thinking that this book speaks of is abundance thinking. Let the church say abundance thinking. People who possess this kind of mindset focus on possibilities instead of limitations. People with an abundance mentality are grounded because of their confidence in God's grace and God's generosity. People who have an abundance mentality, they are generous people because they recognize that the same God that provided my needs last season is going to be the same God that's going to provide for my needs in new seasons. They're not afraid to tithe. They're not afraid to give. They're not afraid to love and to launch out into new territory because they trust God from a place of generosity. Scarcity thinkers are stingy because they don't like to take risks, but abundance thinkers, they recognize that there are no limitations on our God. Is that not what Paul had in mind in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 20? Greg, get ready to sing it after the message. He'll do exceeding. This is a Bible church, right? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says, God will do exceeding and I knew I was in the right place and abundantly above all that you may ask or think according to the power that's working in you. We don't serve a God that is limited in resources. We serve a God that is abundant in love and abundant in mercy and abundant in blessings and resources. And so we can always position ourselves to live an abundant life because that's the kind of God we serve. I got some people in the building that can testify God has blessed me abundantly throughout my life. That God has literally spoiled me. I got stuff that I need and stuff that I desire because I don't serve a God that has limited resources. I serve a God who is a, abundant in everything that he does. And when you see God from that kind of perspective, it causes you to live with abundance thinking. The fact that God is a God of abundance it's really significant because when you think about Jesus, Jesus himself came to be a demonstration of the abundant nature of our gracious God. Did you hear what I just said? I said Jesus came to be the physical demonstration of the abundant nature of our gracious God. Can I give you some Bible real quick? John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy scarcity thinking. Jesus says, but I've come that you might have life and have it more 
abundantly. It is God's desire that we live in abundance in every facet of our lives. But in order for us to live out God's intention for our abundance, we must live with an abundance mindset. It is significant as we look at this text for today, because here we have Jesus down by the lake of Gennesaret and this encounter with his disciples, his potential disciples at that moment. He was planning a movement that we would later call the ecclesia or the church. He was preparing to build this movement, and now Jesus was in recruitment mode. He was preparing to build this movement called the ecclesia. Uh, you do realize that in the book of Acts, that first and foremost, that the church wasn't called the church, that the church was called the way. Tell somebody, we in the right place, amen. <laughs> yeah, the way, those followers, those Christians, those believers who were first called Christians at Antioch, they were, they were a part of a worldwide movement, but it started with these frail, immature disciples. Jesus was in recruitment mode in Luke chapter 5, and Jesus walked up on this leader, this new potential leader, at the time, whose name was Simon, who would later be called Peter. And on this day, Jesus was preaching to a large crowd of people when he noticed two boats on the edge of the water. And Jesus decided to step into these boats and use it as the floating pulpit to teach the multitudes. Jesus was about to make a demonstration, here it is, that would expose Peter to something he had never seen. Because when God gets ready to bless your life, he will always expose you to new lessons, new people, and new concepts that will help you to shift your mode of thinking. You better preach in here, Pastor Paul. It's exposure that helps us to see and to visualize and to reimagine what our lives could possibly look like. That you don't have to be stuck in depression or you don't have to be stuck in your brokenness and you don't have to be stuck in lack and you don't have to be stuck in dysfunctional relationships. That God can literally expose you to new concepts and new ideologies that will help you to live an abundant life. And that's why we ought to give God praise for Dr. Darrell Hall because Sunday after Sunday we get exposed to new lessons and new revelation that helps us to shift our thinking. Whenever God gets ready to, get, gets ready to expand your life, he'll expose you to a person that can shift your mindset. That's what's about to happen to Peter in this text because God has to reset our mindset in order to move us to a new place. Before I get into the text, can I illustrate this real quick? Just want to make sure everybody's tuned in. Um, my wife and I, we travel a whole lot. We, we love to travel. It's just me and her. We've been rocking together for 15 years. We love to travel. And, and one of the things we love to do is uh, we like to restaurant hop. Any certified foodies in the building? Any certified foodies? Yeah, yeah. We, we like to go out of town. And, and there's a rule of thumb. We've been traveling for 15 years consistently. And here's the rule of thumb, that whenever we go out of town, uh, we ain't going to Zaxby's. We ain't going to Chick-fil-A. 
when we go to New York, and we ain't going to uh, Red Lobster and those kind of places. No, when we go away, we want to get exposed to something that we don't have back at the crib. And one day we went to this new restaurant, Greg, I think we were, I think we were in New York, and we went to this amazing restaurant, and, and it was a few years ago, and they started bringing out uh, uh, different appetizers that we had ordered. And right before Pastor Jermaine, they brought out the main course, they bought out something called sorbet. Let's church say sorbet. It's a uh, delicacy that's really a dessert. And here I am trying to figure out, why am I getting dessert before the main course? Somebody shout exposure. I asked the maitre d', I said, you got to help me with this. I'm ready for this steak cooked perfectly medium with some potatoes and some asparagus. I don't want dessert until after the fact. The man says, sir, that's not dessert. That's sorbet. I said, I know it's sorbet, but it looks like something sweet to me. And I don't know how y'all do it in New York, but in the South, we don't eat our dessert before we eat our main course. Let the church shout exposure. The man chuckled a little bit. He said, Mr. Little, you got it all wrong. Sorbet is designed to help you to reset your palate so that you can fully enjoy what's about to come. Can I tell somebody in the building by way of the Holy Spirit that you're in a season where God is resetting your palate and what you're about to experience is going to be better than what has been. Somebody lift that hand and say, God, just reset my palate. He's giving you an appetite for abundance. So he has to reset your palate so that you can fully enjoy this new season. Can you give God praise that he'll expose us to new ideas and new concepts that'll shift our mindset? And that's what is about to happen to Peter. That Jesus was about to reset his spiritual palate to shift his appetite to see things from a different perspective. Notice in the text, this is a Bible preaching, Bible teaching church. I feel right at home. Notice that the story says that Jesus encouraged Peter to take his boat out into the deep. To launch out into the deep and to let down his nets for a catch of fish. Jesus was challenging Simon to leave the safety of shallow waters in order to explore the danger of deep water. Did you hear what I said? That Jesus was challenging Simon to leave and to abandon the safety of shallow waters and explore the dangers of deep waters. This is a critical lesson for those of us who desire to trust God for new seasons because we must be, a, we must be willing to abandon the safety of shallow waters and launch out into unfamiliar territory. You got to understand that the promises of God are normally located on the other side of your comfort zone. And in our humanity, can we admit, family, can we admit, Deacon Field Pot, let's admit, we love safe places. We love what is familiar and predictable. We love the convenience of knowing how things are going to turn out, but you can't live and trust God more deeply without leaving your places of comfort. 
A few years ago, Dr. Hall, my counselor at the time, I was speaking to him about a personal matter that would require me to take some new steps. And during that conversation, my counselor at the time shared some powerful words that transformed my life. He said, a comfort zone is a beautiful garden where nothing grows. It's safe, it's familiar, but did God call you to be safe and familiar? Or has he called you to launch out into the deep? Jesus instructs Simon to leave his comfort zone. Then Jesus instructs Simon, watch this, to recommit to a task that he previously failed. Remember, Simon and the other fishermen were concluding their day of fishing because Simon says, Master, we've been fishing all night. Do y'all see it in the Bible? We've been out here all night and we haven't caught anything. According to Simon, they were fishing all night but didn't catch anything. Here's the dilemma. That Simon understood that the best time for fishing was at night in shallow water. Because the fish are less likely to see the net at night. The fishermen fish at night by the shore. It's daytime, and Jesus says, go deeper. Okay, y'all, you, you, you missed breakfast, so you're not, you're not with me cognitively. Let me, let me see if I can come get you. Jesus is uh, reconstructing their whole thought process because they were fishing, Greg, at night on the shore. But Jesus says, it's daytime, now go deeper. Sometimes in order to experience the impossible, you got to commit to the illogical. Now I want you to think about it. Has God ever given you some instructions that you said at the time, that don't make no sense. Come on, he ain't going to strike you down. Can anybody wave and testify that I've seen God tell me to do something? And God, I can't figure out why you're telling me to do that. Doesn't seem to line up with my, my ideologies and my philosophies of living. I don't understand why in the daytime do I need to go out into the deep. All the little fishies are going to see the net. Oh, but when Jesus is in your boat. He'll redirect the nature of the fish and make them get into that net, even though it's unpredictable and unfamiliar with what you've seen before. And as a matter of fact, can you imagine Peter, praise the can y'all imagine Peter's dilemma? He's taking fishing instructions from a carpenter. Come on, bump your neighbor, bump your neighbor, say, who does that? A carpenter is telling a fisherman how to do his job. In normal circumstances, it wouldn't make sense. But when that carpenter is the one who created the very lake that you're in, he can show you how to navigate through those different seasons, even though you've never done it that way. Launch out into the deep. It's daytime, but I'll, I'll still redirect the fish in your direction. Sometimes you got to go back and recommit to something where you previously failed. God's word for somebody in this house today is you got to try again. You started the business. It didn't work out. You got to try again. 
You were in one relationship, that wouldn't work out. You might not go back to that one, but you got to try another one. You got to try again. That you've experienced some career holdups and hangups, and you've been waiting on God to give you a sign. God sent a preacher all the way from the south side of Macon to encourage you to go back and try it again. Launch out into the deep. Even though you didn't catch anything the day before, oh, now that you have Jesus on your boat, it changes the equation of your circumstances. He says, launch out into the deep. Notice the timing and the location of these instructions. They didn't make sense to a professional fisherman like Simon, but he obeyed these outlandish instructions from this carpenter, and it, and it ended up leading to abundance. Yeah, when you want to see God do the impossible, you got to commit to the illogical. You, you, you know the whole axiom that if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep receiving what you've been receiving. You want to see God do something he's never done before? Sometimes you got to do something you've never done before. Am I preaching to anybody in the building? The text says Simon heard these seemingly illogical instructions, Minister Corey, <laughs> and he reluctantly obeyed. And you read the text in its original language, he's really being sarcastic. Yeah. Master, we've toiled all night. We ain't caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll cast out the net. Master, we've toiled all night. Let me give you the ATL version. <laughs> I've done this already. It didn't work. But if you say so, I'll do it again. And reluctantly, he cast the net and it led to an overwhelming abundance of fish. Watch this, that he had never seen before. The text says that he was astonished by the amount of fish, but he reluctantly followed those crazy instructions. That's interesting. He fell down at Jesus's feet and said, leave from me. I'm a sinful man. I, I, I don't deserve this. I don't, I don't deserve this kind of abundance. I've never seen this before. Thank you, Peter. He demonstrates something. The language we use in this contemporary society is really what was happening with Peter in biblical society. Peter had imposter syndrome. Right. It's when... You don't see yourself as worthy enough for certain kind of blessings. It's when you feel inadequate about yourself. It's, it's low self-esteem on steroids. It's the idea that I don't deserve that. I, I don't deserve the abundance. I, I don't deserve a healthy relationship. I don't deserve financial abundance. I'm not qualified to do XYZ. I'm not qualified to launch that business like, like I want to. And in his reluctance and through that abundance, it exposed something about his character, watch this, that had to be fixed before Jesus could use him in the next season of his life. 
Remember, Peter was going to be the leader of the disciples. And you can't lead a worldwide movement feeling inadequate. I need you to step in Peter's future and then go back to this text. You can't preach in front of 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost feeling like a failure. I need some Sunday school goers and some Bible readers. You can't perform miracle signs and wonders, Peter, feeling like you don't deserve to be used by me. So let me fix your character issues in this season so that you can get ready to stand tall in the next season. So he dealt with Peter's inadequacies, his, his feelings of unworthiness, because Jesus told him, hey, hey, Peter, get used to this, because you're about to start fishing for people. The same way you just experienced an abundance and an overflow with these fish, I'm going to do that in the purpose that I've called you to. So sometimes in particular seasons, Daryl, God has to expose me to concepts that are not for this season. They're really for the next season. It's a precursor to your future. He's future-proofing your purpose. He's, he's showing you certain things about yourself now so that when you get to those new seasons, you don't mess it up with your insecurities. And here's the blessing. Not only was Peter blessed, the text says that his brother, Andrew, and their fishing partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also blessed. It was so much abundance that he had to call for his fishing partners to come help him. Here's the real sign as to whether or not you're ready for abundance. When God blesses you with the abundance, are you going to be willing to share it with somebody else? Somebody shout abundance thinking. That when God gets you to that place that you've been praying about, are you going to be stingy with the favor? Or will you be liberal and generous the same way God has been liberal and generous with you? Oh, that's a word. And Peter got blessed. And Simon and James and John got blessed. I need to see 10 people in the building and another 10 people online in their bonnets and their do-rags to testify to what I'm about to say. I'm in a season where I'm trusting God so much that I don't want to just be blessed for me. I want everybody around me. Am I preaching to anybody at the way? I'm in a season of my life that I want my family and my friends and my loved ones and my church. I ain't trying to come up just for me. Because when God does something supernatural in my life, that overflow is going to rub off on everybody that's connected to me. Hey, shake your neighbor's hand real quick and pull them up on their feet. Shake their hands and tell them, you got to be glad you're sitting next to me today. No, for real, tell them, you better be glad you're sitting next to me today because the favor on my life is contagious and what God is doing in my life, he can do it in your life. Here's what the old school church says. There is no secret to what God can do. 
what he's done for others. Everybody's standing. I'm done. Everybody's standing. I'm so amazed and so happy about what God is doing in the life of the way. You ought to celebrate God for what he's doing. Amen. You ought to celebrate God. Well, I want to do one more thing. I want you to stand to your feet because the Bible teaches us to give honor to whom honor is due. And so preparing to dismiss us is our pastor, the one and only Dr. Darrell E. Oh, come on, brother. Come on, let's bless him real good. Love you, man. Good morning, everybody. I am so delighted uh, just to be here with you all today. I couldn't think of a better way to help celebrate my birthday. Uh, can you all see why Paul Little is one of my friends? Can you give God praise for him? Phenomenal preacher. He's an even better brother and friend, a man of great wisdom and insight. And I lean on him a lot for pastoral strategy. And uh, he's coaching me, peer coaching me. He's my big brother uh, in every sense of the word. And I'm grateful for him and Natalie coming to share time with us today. I want to thank you all for your generosity towards me. Every gift I've seen, for some whose names I know, I've been able to say thank you. For those I haven't seen, let me tell you thank you now. But you all have already given me a gift that is far greater than anything tangible you can sow into my life. Uh, I want to confirm that that message today was the word of God for this house. I mean, it's like he was preaching directly to me and about me. With the imposter syndrome, God having to check my character and get me together before he would allow me to steward a harvest like this. Understand that the season before this season was exactly what he was preaching. That was exactly what I was going through, the Lord having to deal with me. You would think after all these years I committed to ministry and school that I would be ready. I wasn't ready. I was terrified. And, uh, and not really sure what God wanted me to do. And God gave me what I thought was an illogical step to take. And my wife will tell you better than I can, I had to obey the Lord in that step. But what I did not see is what I see today. And I'm gonna tell you that the Lord had to check me and get me together because this ain't about me. God had positioned me to serve you. This is about you and what God is going to do in your life. So give God glory for being sovereign. I'm going to always tell the truth and shame the devil, all right? The glory belongs to God because I never thought myself worthy to receive the honor of being senior pastor, especially out of a church like this with folks like this. So I appreciate you. And I'm thankful to you and thankful for you. Look, on my birthday, I thank God for the people who gave me birth and the people who made my life what it is. I, I, I thank my daddy on yesterday, the day my mama is here. Can y'all help me thank God for my mama? But here's the thing. I got one mama, but I got, I got a, a, a trinity of maternal love in my life. Uh, one pushed me out, but three got me all the way to where I am. All right, and they're all here. I want them to join me real quick on stage, and I'm going to let y'all go. All right, my mama is here. My auntie, Maricia Hall, can y'all give God praise for her? She's coming real quick, real quick. And then last of all, two months ago, I introduced all the mothers of our church. Our new mother's board, they down here in their pretty white. 
but but my mama's mama is here. And she's on our mother's board too. Can y'all thank God for Mother Gamble? Now, between three these three women and my daddy's child support every month. <laughs> thank God for the man of God. Between these three and my daddy's child support every month, I would not be the man I am today. I don't know how many meals they made, how many outfits they bought, how many whoopings, collaboratively, collectively, the aggregate of butt whoopings have, uh, have challenged me and all of their voices are in my head, coaching me day by day. And all of their love is in my heart, keeping me together. And so I thank God for them. I wouldn't have made it to 37 years without my mama, my grandmama, and my auntie. Can y'all thank God for them? Love y'all. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and grant you peace. May he bless you as you sit down and as you come again. May he bless everything your hand touches for his glory and for your good. May he expose you for expansion. Until we meet again, family, be blessed and be safe. In Jesus' name, amen.